This is Emily Jones from the Texas Rangers, and you're listening to the Fanatic Podcast with Alex Plank. What's going on, Rangers Nation? It's Alex Plank with Dallas Sports Fanatic, and this is the Texas Rangers Fanatic Podcast, episode 23. This is the Jose Trevino episode, apparently, or we're two years after uh, gambling and, and legally drinking. I don't know. So <laughs> I've got John Moore and I've got Chris Halleck with me. Uh, I tried to match things up a little bit, um, so I, I don't know. It's, it's mid-March. It's mid-March. March Madness. Let's go. March yeah. Madness. By the time uh, this comes out, everybody's brackets are going to be busted. It's great. Yeah, that, absolutely. We'll, we'll all be busted on it. What's up, Chris? What What's is going, going on, guys? On, guys? So, uh, are, you know how they call it the dog days of summer, as in the dog days of August for an MLB season? Are we in the dog days of spring training? I think so. It blew up everything I did. I, you want to talk bracketology or whatever. We did that thing a couple weeks ago where we did before any game started opening day roster predictions. Mine's all blown up now. It's completely changed. Cause mine I I'm okay. Everybody who's who I predicted is still being considered. Uh, yeah. and I, wait, I, wait, 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 hang on. You had Jonathan Hernandez. Okay. So I, I know I don't, I also had Willie in. Calhoun. So, okay. Okay. So, that technically, but the only reason that they won't is because of injury. I'm talking about personnel decisions. Okay, all right. You smart Alec. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, see, play on the last. You mean name. a smart Alec? Smart, smart Alec. There you go. Smart Alec. That is the reason. If everybody wonders, like they probably see the hashtag on on Twitter whenever I do the mailbag, and they're probably like, "What is that smart Alec?" I don't understand. And it's because my last name rhymes with Alec, and it is the one advantage of having my last name is that i can make a pun and call myself a smart alec so. so if i do one called smart alex would you sue me for copyright infringement no because okay. alex and halleck are not the same name <laughs> yes. even though i will say that i kind of came up with it first but okay <laughs> but no you're good to go man go do it i just have <laughs> do I, it. I just have the nerd out so it's really not even <laughs> hey everybody should have done thing. something Evan's got his Evan help us. Uh, You know, there's everybody's got a, um, you know, uh, Levi's got the Weaver wire. So yeah, uh, yeah, everybody's got a a way to play off of their name. So I I need to do something associated with the prices, right? Plinko. I don't know. (laughs) Yes. That's like the biggest, that's the best game in the prices, right? Do it then. Do it. Everybody loves loves some Plinko. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Get in there, man. Get creative. <laughs> Speaking of creativity, let's uh, let's go to our opening day roster projection uh, uh, predictions. It's too early <laughs> for me to talk today. Yeah. Um, let's go to our opening predictions. So we know that Kyle Gibson is starting. So right. if anybody doesn't have Kyle Gibson on it, on number one in the rotation, then there's something really wrong with you. You weren't paying attention. Yep. Yes. Yep. <laughs> we're back in school now um and obviously I, i'm trying to think of like anything specifically the royals haven't announced their opening day starter are they 
everyone seems to think it's Keller. That's what everything I've read on a depth chart and all of that, but I, I don't know. So you let know. me ask you guys this. Does your opening day lineup depend on who? I know last time we said yes. Yes. But now that there's been some injury changes, does your opening day lineup depend on who's starting now for Kansas City? A, a little bit. Um, not too not, much. Not as much. I yeah, not, 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 not too much. I don't think – I think with certain situations, Woody's going to play the righty-lefty game. But, uh, you know, as we've talked to him, and I, I know I've bombarded him with questions about the lineup, and um, a, as I've really gotten him to, to talk as much as I can get him to talk about the lineup, he, he – Definitely seems to be leaning more like if you look at the spectrum of tradition versus modern thinking of the game, he probably he definitely leans more in the modern way. I think he still values some of the traditional uh, ways to construct a lineup, and so the traditional way is obviously righty lefty. That that that's like a huge thing. Uh, so I don't think it's always going to be about righty lefty unless it's a really bad matchup, like unless it's just like like for example a guy like Chris Davis. If it's just a, a nasty righty that. Chris is or that that Davis is going to have a really hard time with then he might opt to have a guy like Guzman or Lowe at, at DH but we'll get into that later but no uh, I, I don't think righty lefty is going to play as big of a role as maybe a baseball purist or traditionalist would think I, I, so let's go ahead John I'm yeah well, so I, I, I kind of agree I went on opening day lineup I kind of once Calhoun goes out that look here's the one thing that's happened Calhoun going out kind of has been good for Guzman and Lowe. That's going to extend into the regular season. And I, I think we both, well, we'll see. We're going to do our, our opening day rosters here in a little bit. But well, spoiler, John. I, yeah, but I, I saw, well, no, that's that's what I, I didn't see that at first. And now that's obviously, I tell you the big battle now is for that right-handed DH bat. And you got Davis, obviously, who's probably got the lead going into it. Um, but but a band, Andy uh, Ibanez was the other one who's hit well but apparently can't play defense. So, um, and it's not look good. Yeah. That's he had like one game where he had like three wild throws and Curtis Terry bailed him out on two of them. Yeah. That's, that's what I hear. So, but you know, when you talk about new thinking baseball and the opening day lineup, if Keller's the opening day lineup, uh, Keller's the opening day starter for, for Kansas city that made one decision really up in the air for me. And that was the catching position. And, uh, cause you know, what, we're going to get into that, and I'll explain all of that when we get to it, but that's where I wondered where I think who I'm going with is probably who it's going to be because of what you said, Chris, just basically tradition and what he's going to do. But I really had that, you know, he's analytical too, and you got a big righty, 6'6", six, six, those hard, um, that he might go anyway. So who knows? I mean, this is going to be interesting. I think where we're going right now with our lineup, unless there's a major energy uh, injury I think all three of us are probably staying where we're at right now I would guess going into the last week yeah I think personnel you may I think as far as position player personnel I think we all will have very similar ones maybe one or two differences um, I'm curious to see your guys take on not just the rotation but the way the structure will be I know that there's two tandems but where exactly do you fit it in the rotation are you going to have traditional, traditional, traditional tandem tandem, or do you split that up and maybe in the third slot you do a tandem, fifth slot you do a tandem? That's going to be interesting. I can interject on that. 
Um, so I, I, I don't think that you're that, that Woody's going to line up three traditional starters in a row and then two tandems in a row. Um, just because you can't, really right because if you have the, the the tandem spots back to back you're taking a serious risk in in really putting a lot of pressure on your bullpen uh, because wow. okay you're already putting out two guys that are going to be limited in their innings or in their pitches for whatever reason whether it be because of health reasons for guys like Dunning or Cody or Hearn uh, or just because of okay is he going to be effective enough like a guy like Wiles so if it doesn't work out and, you know, one of the starters gets knocked out in the first or second inning and then the other guy comes in and he can only go three or four innings, then you're going to have to have your bullpen come in. And yeah. so you're, you just got too many moving parts and back-to-back games. I I don't think Woodward's going to do that. I think you might see, like, traditional tandem, traditional, traditional tandem, or, like, traditional, traditional tandem uh, traditional than tandem, something to that effect. I don't think you're going to see Probably like one tandem per series, essentially. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I, I think you'll see a tandem in, in the opening series in Kansas City, uh, just like you said. And then uh, at least for the first month, and then that could change. Because yeah, I know it just, it just depends uh, because, you know, Chris Woodward has talked about Jordan Lyles and talked about how that conversation went. Lyles obviously didn't like it, and they really like everything that they're seeing from Lyles so far. Uh, there's he, I mean, Woodward said uh, the other day that all of his pitches look better this year, like all of them. And so if he comes out and he's the guy that they expected him to be, you know, the guy from Milwaukee, then yeah, he's a guy who can go out and throw six innings. No, no big problem. And then you can hand the ball off to your, to your bullpen. Yeah, that's a good – and look, and, and as far as, as Lyles, I understand he's upset. He has every right to be upset. But you know what? There's one way to shut that up, go out. Do what you're capable of doing, and you can fix the problem yourself, man. I hope you're mad. I hope you're really pissed. Then go out there and do what you're capable of. Seriously. I mean, that's the way I look at it. Woodward is is going to – he's got a lot of arms to play with. He's going to do – 2020 was horrible for Lyles, and he's going to – and look, he looks great, but you know what? Spring training can do different things on on different people, different – with the way they're hitting when they're looking and maybe working on something. Dude, go out and perform in the in – the, it's going to play itself out if you go out and do what you're capable of. Just to kind of throw it out there, spring training, I always feel like the Texas Rangers spring training – I know records don't matter, but right. it seems like the Rangers spring training performance has been a lot better than it has been in like the last 10 years. I always feel like this team is at the bottom of spring training. Now, again, even during their 2010-2011 World Series runs, they're at the bottom – I don't know what that means. That could mean absolutely nothing. Yeah. And it probably does mean absolutely nothing, but I just find that kind of interesting. And I don't know what the rolled innings have anything to do with. Um, well, I think I, you're, I think you were on the zoom call with, with, with Woodward last night, you know, he was asked about, you know, how much like they've had a couple of these games where they fell behind early and then they just ended up coming back and scoring a bunch of runs and, and winning the game. And, you know, Woodward spoke to, okay, you know, yeah, these are spring training games and ultimately wins and losses don't matter, but it's all about creating that culture, that winning culture of like, okay, it doesn't matter if we're down, you know, or if we're up, whatever, we're going to try to score as many runs as we can. And, you know, when we're, on, when we're in, you know, in the field, we're going to do everything we can to limit the other team from scoring. It's all about that creating that culture. It doesn't matter if it's a four-inning game on the backfield or it doesn't matter if it's a nine-inning game in, in, in Cactus League play or, or if they're playing regular season in – Globe Black Field or Yankee Stadium or wherever else. 
So I think it's all about creating that culture. And I, I would have really spoke to that last night. And so I think that's a really big thing. You, yeah. Don't take, I mean, yeah, the Rangers are, have won. Like I, I don't remember the numbers. It's early, man. Leave me alone. Uh, but uh, <laughs> it's uh, there. I'm drinking Red Bull for a reason, uh, but um, the late night ones have gotten to you late night. Dude, I, I'm, I, it's spring training for me too. I, I'm, I'm, shifting my schedule around i'm uh, haven't gotten used to the late nights and waking up early yet so um but you you you, the rangers have been trending in terms of the win column in spring training and yeah people are like oh spring training don't worry about it but i do think it speaks to the type of culture now there are going to be games where they're going to just going to be outplayed just because the other team was better of course they're i mean you look at other rosters in the american league there's at least (laughs) you can make an argument for a lot of teams that they have that just better talent than the Rangers do so they just might get outplayed doesn't matter how good the Rangers play and that's fine as long as they're competing to try to win I think that's what the Rangers really want to see more than anything I know a lot of people were groaning about earlier in the week's game against San Francisco but how much were you guys actually smirking by the way the at-bats were I know in the fourth inning when they scored seven that was like what a 45 pitch inning for San Francisco which I know late night so I'm sure people are like, let's just get this thing over with. But at the same time, to see those quality at-bats in a game where you don't really need – I mean, you, if you're trying to make the team, you're having – but you're having guys like Gallo have quality at-bats, Dahl having quality at-bats, who you know yeah. are, are on the team. And then even yesterday, Leody, Eli yep. White, Chris Davis, Nate Lowe. I know Eli's had a good spring, but those other three – who everybody's like, oh, they're they're uh, scuffling, they're not playing well. To have them have the night that they had yesterday, that's got to be even better than just coming back and beating the Reds. Competition, man. Competition's fun. I think when you've got competition, I mean, you've got to step up your game, and it's fun to see. Look, Lowe started out horrible. Now he's starting to get his bat underneath him. He's got seems to be getting his legs. Look at Chris Davis. B game home run, two home runs last night. Um, you know, and there was no guarantee Chris Davis is on this opening day roster. Tavares is looking at Eli White. He kind of thought he was the opening day leadoff hitter coming into this thing and going to be the center fielder. And Eli White said, hang on a minute. And he's just playing. I love, I think competition breeds competition. And finally, there's actually lip service and words going to what Woodward said the last two years because Odor would be coming in and everybody knew Odor was going to get a longer leash as they tried to get this out. And they basically, before the spring training even started, told both of them, you need to learn a new position because your job is not secure. And all of us were like, well, they, they announced this before the season started. Or of course, they trade Elvis. But, I mean, that's like, okay, you know what? So, in other words, you already know going in, uh, Odor, you're going to have to earn your spot. I think the competition is what's really good to watch. You're seeing the follow through too. You can yeah. you can say going into offseason, oh, your job's not secure, but it's about actions. Yep. And you're seeing that, hey, your job is not secure. Like yep. we're showing it right now. And so yep. to see that more so than just saying it. So like I could tell you guys anything that whether right. or not I follow through yep. is a different story. <laughs> Absolutely. Which Absolutely. I will always follow through, but I was using this as an example. Uh, but, I mean, that's the thing. Like, you see teams all the time. Well, he's a big asset on our team. Uh, you say that, but then you go ahead and trade him. So, it's 
I think that's what we're seeing is you're seeing that competition and you're seeing, hey, you play well, you earn playing time. We are showing that rather than just saying it. Yep. And it's, it's about time. And, 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 this is, and that's what a rebuilding season is. That's what you've got to do. And for Ranger fans, you know, I, 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 the ones that are still yelling at they got to fire Woodward, they got to fire JD and all of that. It's like, man, this is not the time to do that. They're actually, they are not going to win 85 to 90 games and you better get over it now. And that's not a bad thing. It's a great, they could, they but could. it's not likely, but yeah, they could. Yeah. Oh, sure. They could roll off a hundred wins if they just, everything fell into place and you know, everybody's capable of what they're doing, but it realistically, anyone that, knows baseball realistically is sitting there and going this is still could be your great season and a fun season to watch even if they only win 70 to 75 games just i just one thing to i guess to, to kind of close this this section off is i think i think it's a real it's a sight for sore eyes you know we look at like last year there was a I don't think anybody was predicting that the Rangers were going to be like, oh, they're like going to be legitimate playoff contenders. But you looked at the rotation, you looked at an improved lineup, you're like, okay, this Rangers team could make some noise. And then obviously COVID happened. We didn't really get to see how it was going to play out. You know, who knows if, if Kluber even ends up hurting his shoulder, you know, who knows. Right. Um, but I, I even looked back at spring training and I look at the battle between Roland Guzman and Greg Bird at first base and like neither guy, was able to take the bull. Yeah, neither guy was able to take the bull by the horns. Connor Felipe did. Yeah, Connor Felipe did, and then you know he and then Todd Frazier because of his versatility and willingness can you know just shift over to first base no big deal. This year it's like okay, Guzman and Lowe both having good camps in their own right. Uh, Nick Solak starting to really turn it on, doing everything he can to claim second base. Odor looking way better at third base than almost anybody anticipated. And his at-bat quality has been pretty good. Not even looking at results, just looking at, is he doing the right things? And I wrote a story about, about that and Woodward did a really great job of di- diving into detail for that story. So, um, you know, just, you look, you know, Tavares and white, you look at all the pitchers who are doing pretty well right now. I mean, there's, a, you look at down the line, there's not like, one guy where you're like, oh, well, Lyles is just getting hit hard every single time or Hearn's getting hit hard. And like, no, like these guys, maybe outside of a couple of outliers, are really solid. And so you're seeing a lot of competition, like you talking about competition breeds competition. And I think when you look at last year, where the optimism level was a little higher maybe, and then this year the it's definitely more pessimistic around the fan base. And then you're looking at all this competition just – all these guys are just competing with each other. And I think that's a good thing to see who knows if that's going to turn out into a winning season. I'm not hanging my hat on that yet. Um, but do I think that they could be in the, do I think they can hit the over on a lot of the win projections uh, from what I'm seeing? I, I would take the over as of now, again, that doesn't mean that I think they're going to be 500 or that they're going to win, the, you know, make the playoffs or win the division, but I think they're going to be to make more noise than people think. And I think that's what the Rangers are wanting to do is have that underdog mentality and be like, okay, you're going to overlook us. We're going to compete. Jose Trevino said at the beginning of camp, this is going to be a gritty team. We're going to be in your face. doesn't matter if we're up 15 or down 15. We're going to be in your face. We're going to compete. And I think that's what this team wants to do. They're going to make some, I think that in September come, especially with some of the young talent that's going to be, they're going to create some problems. They won't be, I don't think they'll be in the race for the division, but I think that they're going to, yeah. I mean, like at the last series of the season, Cleveland, I don't know where the Indians will stand at that point, but let's just say 
Yeah. I mean, let's just be hypothetical and say the Indians are in a race the wild, the for wild a wild card spot. Yeah. They could, I mean, at home against Cleveland, they could play spoiler. I think that they'll be a, uh, they'll be a problem team to face down the stretch. Yeah, I think there's teams that are competing, that will be competing. And and look, we're, we're I think we're all on board to say if the Rangers somehow competed for a, a bottom wild card spot, none of us would be. To, it wouldn't like be out of left field. We would go, wow, you know this this means things are coming together. But I tell you what, there's gonna be a lot of baseball fans that could really love the Rangers come uh, September uh, when they are the team that looks hot and that for your competition, let's say that you're you know you're if you're one of the other AL West teams and you need Houston to lose, or you need someone to lose, it's like, go in and play that Texas team right now. We're big Texas Ranger fans right now because they could spoil it for like Alex, like you said, they could play spoiler if nothing else. And that's fun. And that's fun to watch and watch them do that to people. It really, and it picks you up going into next off season. If they're playing that way. I think the biggest thing there is if the, I think why this this year is so important because if you do see guys like especially the younger players really turn it on and really it looks like okay the Rangers might have a really a, a good core coalescing here then maybe that makes them bigger players for the Trevor Stories for the Corey Seegers for the I mean, this is going to be a shortstop class this offseason that we we haven't seen in a long 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 time maybe not even ever in free agency so right if the Rangers are going to make a play they need this core of young players to play well this year because not only does that make this destination more attractive to the free agent, even though the Rangers can play the hometown card to Trevor story and everything like that, that's all well and good. But if they're going to, if they're going to spend a lot of money on a big time free agent like that to play shortstop, especially if kind of has a great year at shortstop, not only defensively, but if he turns it, it goes to the next level offensively, there's a reason why Trevor Story is going to have to be like, okay, I need, I need more reasons than just because of my hometown to come here. And so if this is a contending core, if this is a situation where like, okay, this is like 08, 09, where the Rangers are, okay, maybe they're turning around a little quicker than we anticipated. Yep. And then they go out and then they are able to sign, you know, a guy like a Trevor Story, which I guess would be the equivalent of signing Beltre only. I don't think the Rangers are going to win the American League pennant this year. Um, but, you know, sim- something similar in that, you know, situation of like how the Rangers were in 08, 09, but you just need to see how this plays out. Yep. So without further ado, let's go to our projections. So let's go ahead and start off with the position players. Okay. Um, let's go with the lineup first. Let's go with the projected opening day lineup. I think, do you all have 13 position players? Yeah, 13. I think, I think it was, I think Woodward actually said, like, I, I know there was a question about, would you? Yes, I have 13. Okay. So I, yeah. we're clear 13, 13. Right. Yeah. All right. So let's go ahead and go with lineup. Uh, okay. Opening day lineup. Opening day lineup. And let's just assume I'm, I'm actually put like a slash on there. So my lineup may be a little bit off because okay. um, I just inserted assuming Keller is the starter for Kansas City. So one of my spots will be just a slash, but um, all right, go ahead, John, what you got? So I've got, so uh, here's, here's my, what I have uh, seen that's happened right now. Um, Leota Tavares has not won the opening, uh, the, the, the number one slot in the lineup. 
Um, I don't think he starts the season uh, leading off. I had him leading off in our preseason projection before they even started spring training. Connor Falifa seems to be the guy that's won that job. So I've got Connor Falifa at shortstop. I've got David Dahl batting second and left field. I've got, and now we're going with Keller, okay? So I've got Gallo in right field batting third. I have Lowe at DH playing, and, and don't read into this, folks. I've got Lowe at DH and Guzman batting fifth at first base. Don't read into that. My point is they are analytical. It is a right-hander. Both are going to be in the lineup, and if you're playing analytics, let's just face it. Guzman's a better first baseman. So that's the reason he's going to start at first base. It's not because Lowe's not a, doesn't have a chance to win the job. He's just going to get both bats in the lineup and put his best lineup out there, and Guzman's your better first baseman. So we got Counter Falifa, Dahl, Gallo, Lowe, Guzman fifth at first base. Then the surprise, and this one I'm proud of, Odor at third base is batting six, and for the first time in a long time, Odor has earned a job, and he has earned the third base job, played some amazing third base. Been the best third baseman on the team right now, defensively. Um, and just uh, so he's batting six. I've got Solak at second base, batting seventh. Here's where I went with Trevino, even though Himes a switch hitter and can bat left-handed. I, I look at what I look at what Gibson's done. He's the starting pitcher. I look at what he's done, and and Trevino seems to be catching him every time. They just seem to be in a gel. So I'm going to go in and put Trevino starting at catcher. Heim is my question mark slash because, um, you know, I think Heim's going to end up being pretty good. But Trevino and, and something with uh, the way he's calling the game uh, or whatever he's doing, him, him and uh, Gibson are, are hitting it off well. And then I've got Tavares in center field batting ninth. And, of course, we know who's starting. That's already been set. Uh, Kyle Gibson on the bump. Do you want to just give your four bench players? I can. Uh, so um, – Let's see. I've got mine split up by infield, outfield, catcher. So I've got Jonah Heim. I've got uh, as the backup catcher. I've got Charlie Culberson making the team as the uh, backup infielder. And then I have Chris David, Chris Davis, and Eli White making the team. So as the outfielders and the DH. And, and you know, Eli White bats right-handed. I mean, let's be honest. If he's not going to – he's – He's probably going to be – he's a right-handed bat. Does he DH? It would be a waste to put him at DH because he's so good defensively. But, I mean, he's another right-handed bat. All right, Chris, what you got? Do you have – first of all, do you have the same personnel? Uh, no, I don't. Okay. Uh, so, uh, yeah, <clears throat> and my order is a little different. But I, I think we're, we're not at a point where we're going to – I mean, I haven't seen your lineup, Alex, so I, I'm not, I don't want to speak for you, but I think – the top third is going to, is pretty solidified right now, not only because of the way they performed in the last couple of days, but just because of everything that I've heard from Chris Woodward from seeing it. Just I'm taking what I'm seeing and I'm going. So I, I got, I kind of left leading off playing shortstop. Uh, David Dahl hitting second, by the way, Joey Gallo loves having David Dahl hit in front of him. So <laughs> take that for what it's worth. Uh, David Dahl hitting second, uh, uh, playing left field, Joey Gallo hitting third, playing right field. I think either way, whether it's a righty or lefty on the mound, I got Chris Davis, DH, hit and clean up. Uh, I think, and just to, to go off on a quick little tangent, Chris Woodward has loved Davis's at-bats all spring. He says his decision-making, like swing decisions, like they've got their own inside metric on swing decisions. He says it's been one of the best on the team. Um, 
he's loved his at bat quality. He's just been behind the fastball. His his bat's been a little slow, and he's just missing some pitches. Well, over the last few games, last few days, he's not missing pitches anymore. So if he's starting to get that timing down, if he's starting to put the barrel the barrel the 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 barrel on the on the ball, then okay, we might have a guy who can hit behind Gallo and get provide him some protection. He's not going to be a 300 guy, but if he can be the same guy who hit 247 three years in a row yeah. and hit more than 40 home runs three years ago, or even as 80 or 80 to 90 percent of that player, you got a guy who can hit behind Gallo. Um, I've got Rugi playing third and hitting fifth. Um, and it, it, as I continue going in the lineup, you might see why I've got certain guys in certain positions. Uh, I got Nick Solak at second base, hitting sixth. I've got Ronald Guzman at first base, hitting seventh. I've got Jose Trevino at catcher, hitting eighth. And I've got Leo Taveras in center field, uh, hitting ninth. And in case you don't know or are looking at it, that is, I, I am staggering the lineup. I'm going from Gallo down. It is left, right, left, right, left, right, left. Yeah, I didn't so do that. Yeah, so I think that's like the analytic part. I think more than anything, more than about a righty-lefty matchup is it's not only about the starting pitcher, it's about also the relievers. Okay, three batter minimum. You know, we can't, you know, stack lefties or stack righties if, if we can't. And Chris Davis, I understand why people don't want necessarily to have him in the lineup because he's a veteran and why not let the younger guys play? It's a rebuild. If he can provide gallows and protection, Yep. And if you can help balance out the lineup so that other guys like Odor, like Guzman, can be in better positions in the lineup to see better pitches, then the domino effect will take care of itself. Yep. Um, as far as the rest of my bench, uh, Jonah Heim is my second catcher. I think if the AAA season were going to be starting on time, I'm, I I was a little tempted to put Drew Butera mm -hmm. uh, because the Rangers want Heim playing. They don't want him sitting and not doing anything. Um, and so I don't think that's necessarily like, oh, the Rangers don't like him. I think he's shown plenty in spring training to have the Rangers, like, really, really like him. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but because the AAA season is delayed, I, I, I do have Heim. I think he'll serve better as being in a major league clubhouse than going to the alternate side or even taking part in minor league camp. And as for the other three, uh, I've got um, Nate Lowe. Uh, in there as well. He will see time at first base in DH, at least to start off while uh, Willie Calhoun starts off on, on the IL and Charlie Culberson as uh, the utility infielder. And then for my final spot, uh, I also have Eli White, who is neck and neck with Leody Tavares right now. So that is my, those are my 13 position players in my opening day. And that is the one thing a couple weeks ago on the initial opening day roster projection, I did have Drew Butera in there because AAA season was still going, was, was still projected to start. So that is one change that I do have from then is I do have Jonah Heim. Even though the bat is still not quite there, I think the only way you're, you're going to get any better quality is if he steps into the plate more. And yeah. so the delayed AAA season – I mean, you might as well just have him on there if he's one of your future catchers. So, yep. um, But I think, like you said, Chris, if the AAA season was going to start on time, I would have Butera on as the backup catcher at Heim starting in AAA. All right, so I do kind of have the lefty-righty a little bit. There is – I do have it stacked a little differently. So Isaiah starting off, Henry Falefa, um, I do have Dahl batting second as well. Uh, I do have Joey Gallo. And then I have 
uh, I haven't stacked more so with lefties on opening day against Keller. So I do have low batting cleanup. Um, if it's a lefty on the mound, I would have gone Chris Davis. So if like a Mike Miner uh, is starting. Duffy, uh, yeah. Yeah. Then I've got Nick Solak batting fifth. I was, it was interesting because before Gallo said he liked Dahl batting in front of him, I would have actually put Solak too because I feel like Nick Solak is a good two-place hitter. Yeah. Isaiah Counter-Falafa I feel like is a good two-place hitter. And I think if Leone Tavares picks it up, yeah. You may shuffle in that lineup, and I think that two spot will then, depending on how Gallo does with Dahl in front, if the results aren't there, then you might have some shuffling. Maybe Gallo does go down one spot, or maybe you take Dahl out and put him in cleanup. I don't know. Um, so I got Solak five. I got Odor six, Guzman seven, Trevino eight, Tavares ninth. So bottom of the lineup is like yours, Chris. Uh, and then I think we all have – the same uh, it, uh, position player backups too. So Heim, Davis, White, Culberson. Yeah. So yeah, Culber- yeah. Culberson's yeah, the better shortstop, right? That's that's what I went with. I'm hearing yeah. him as the better. And we gotta you gotta have a shortstop, backup shortstop for Connor. He can't play every single inning. Well, it's not it's not just. I mean, Culberson is there's a, there's a few things to it. Uh, first off, he's had a good spring. Well, yeah, well, let's, no, he's let's, played well too. Yeah. Yeah. He he's hit. He's actually hit pretty well. He's had some really good at bats, but he's hit the ball really well. And that's like the, that's been the biggest thing with Culberson is, you know, uh, oh, we can have him on the team, but he's going to be a little bit of a liability when he's in the lineup. Well, he might not be, he might not be. I mean, yeah, he's still going to be a guy who probably hits eighth or ninth, but I mean, you don't need insane production from that spot. And if he can get on base, you know, if his OBP can be, you know, 320, 330, I mean, it's not great, but you can take that from the bottom of the lineup. Sure. Uh, as long as he can help turn around the lineup so that by the time the, the top of the lineup comes back around, if he can get on base, then that's – and that's why I think a guy like Leody can hit at the bottom of the lineup because it's almost like an audition to see because then he can help turn the lineup around. Uh, but, yeah, Culberson, he's had a good spring. He plays a better shortstop than Brock Holt. He's a right-handed bat, so it helps even out the lineup uh, better. Um, the Rangers have needed right-handed bats for a long time, and – that's why a guy like Chris Davis helps. That's why a guy like Char- Charlie Culberson can help. So, yeah, while Brock Holt has also had a good camp, I think he's just at a, at a disadvantage because he hits left-handed and he doesn't play as good of a shortstop as Culberson. Yep. And I think from an Eli White perspective, I think you want him concentrated on one posi- – well, one outfield, like outfield, not outfield and infield. Well, he hasn't worked out in the that, infield at all. So. Yeah, so I know that that was somewhat of a possibility that some had mentioned, but – no, well, I think and, you just stick him in the outfield, and and, and you, you have to remember too. And and uh, Chris said this in, on one of the Zoom calls uh, when he was talking about Odor playing third base. You don't need to take ground balls at sec- second base. You know how to play second base. I could throw you over at second base. Eli White came up a shortstop and a middle infielder in an emergency situation. You know how to play infield. You've got a glove. If I have to throw you at infield, I can do that. You need to concentrate because you're going to be an outfielder on this team. So, just really one thing, really quick about like switching positions. There was one game, I don't remember, it was a game earlier this week where the Rangers were in the shift, and, you know, you're thinking, okay, I've been kind of wondering, like, okay, how are the Rangers going to handle the shift? You know, if you've got you know, either go, you know, lower Guzman at first base, but then you've got Solak, Kainer-Falefa, and Odor finishing out the rest of the diamond, how do you how do you handle the shift? Right. Does Kainer-Falefa stay on the, on the left side of second base, and then Odor goes back to, mm-hmm. to a traditional second base spot? Well, uh, the Rangers did that, and then there was a ball that was hit pretty hard to Odor, and 
it was like it, it was like it was almost like a, a, a career third baseman was playing second base for the first time because he was like his reaction was just different and he did not react to the ball the same way that he normally would at second base because I think he's been so used to yeah. the quick reaction at set at third base and he's been and Chris Woodward's talked about his like overtraining to learn how the ball comes to you at third that he didn't even think about the footwork. He didn't think about anything else. And he just had a very awkward approach and the ball went right past him. And where in the past, I mean, Odor's not been like, I mean, he, he was a gold glove finalist in 2018, but Odor's never been a guy who's been known for like, oh, he's a great defensive second baseman. But he's usually been able to make some pretty, you know, tough plays where that was a play where in the past, I would think, okay, he would at least have a really good chance to make that play. And it was just awkward looking. Wow. I think that's human. I I think that's human nature too. Isn't that like when you're learning something for the first time and you want to dive in and it can be just anything, not just baseball, it can be anything. And then you go back to something that you've been doing for years and years and years. Sometimes it'll catch up on you because you're so focused on learning something new. So I'm not too much surprised at that because I think that just with learning anything in general, um, so I, I'm actually not too shocked that that happened. No, I, I don't want to take anything away. That was a really hard hit ball. It's not like that was, oh, that was a routine play or anything. I'm just saying like in the past, just from yeah. watching Odor for the last several years, yeah. that, that was a play that when he's normally playing second base every day, that's a play that I would expect him to be really competitive on, to yeah. either make that play or at least knock the ball down. Have a and, just his, and his reaction was just totally different. Like it was just like, okay, I think he's, like you said, he's like really dive, you know, dove into to playing third base. And that's a big testament to this guy's wanted to play second base. And he kind of at the beginning of spring, he was like talking about like, you know, I'll leave that to Woody. You know, I've never played the position and everything like that. But for everything we've seen, he has taken on that position. He's only had like one really big mess up. It was like a horrible <laughs> throw that like sailed like over Nate Lowe uh, at first base. But like other than that, he's made the the, the charging barehanded plays. He's made the diving plays in the hole. He's done everything he can at third base. And I, I, I think that's blown everybody's expectations away. Yep. Let's go to rotation time. So, uh, spoilers, Cal Gibson is one. Anybody disposed to that? <laughs> no? Okay, <laughs> moving on. Uh, so, for so like we said earlier about trading as far as main starters <laughs> and tandem. So, I've got Arahara in the second slot. And then I've got tandem one, Lyles and Dunning. I've got Lyles and Woodward has even mentioned 70-30, 50-50. So I'm going Lyles, Dunning, 70-30. Lyles for 70 pitches, Dunning for 30. Then I've got Fultonavich in the four. And then I've got Wes Benjamin and Kyle Cody for the 50-50 in the last rotation spots. Okay. So let's uh, reverse order. Chris, what you got? All right, so I got Kyle Gibson opening day. <laughs> um, I, I've been going back and forth because I'm, I'm trying to also play into, okay, who starts the home opener, uh, which mm-hmm. I understand that's, that's like, not the biggest deal in the world, but it, it is kind of a big deal because – First time with fans. It's for, not only the first time with fans, but they're opening it at full capacity. Is The Rangers have wanted the first game – I mean, they wanted the first game ever, but they've wanted this first game with their fans in the ballpark to be uh, a day to remember, which is, I think, why they're opening at full capacity and then reducing for the rest of the month. But um, 
they want this to be a big game. So I think that might play a little bit of a role into who starts the home opener. So I keep going back and forth. Do you go with Fultonevich or do you go with Arihara? You know, Arihara was the was the big, you know, signing for the, you know, in the yeah. in the offseason. I think the Rangers surprised a lot of people when they when they when they were able to get him. But then Fultonevich, I mean, you're talking about a potential comeback player of the year type thing. You know, if he comes back and he's the 2018 All-Star Cy Young candidate that he was. Um, I, 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 right now, I'm going to go Fulty, too. Um, and then I have a tandem spot, uh, which I'll get into that in a second. But then I have Arahara starting home opener and then another tandem spot following. So those tandems, um, I also have uh, Jordan Lyles and Dane Dunning as one tandem that would probably be like third, like starting that, that third game in Kansas City. And then I've got uh, Kyle Cody and Wes Benjamin as the other tandem. Uh, in that order. In that you order. You have Cody starting first and then Benjamin. Yes. Uh, okay. Not not only because well, – first off, I think I think Cody's – and this just might be my own, like, personal bias coming in. I really, really like Kyle Cody and the type, of, the type of pitcher that he is. Uh, you know, as, a, as a reporter, I, I don't want my personal feelings to get into it. I don't have, like, a personal relationship with Kyle Cody or anything. Right. It's just – from a baseball, I guess as a baseball fan, I look at the type of pitcher that he is and the stuff that he has and his demeanor on the mound and everything. I think that's he's got the recipe to be a successful big league pitcher. And so I think the Rangers see a lot of the same things. I'm not saying that like, oh, I, should, I belong in the front office. I'm just saying I think the Rangers see a lot of the same things in Kyle Cody. They really, really like him a lot. I think they are also really like Wes Benjamin. And Chris Woodward has not been shy about liking Wes Benjamin a lot. Uh, this spring so but yeah I've got Cody unless like the, the certain the lineup dictates I mean they open up with Toronto uh, but so if the line if the opposing lineup dictates That's maybe true. maybe you have that tandem but if they're facing a, a lefty heavy lineup uh, maybe West Benjamin gets the start and Cody is the, yeah. is the, is the piggyback so I, I think that tandem thing could change just lineup to lineup depending on who they're facing but I guess especially right that 50 yeah uh, and so, yeah, I've got Cody starting over Benjamin right now. So that's my rotation. Uh, Gibson, uh, Fultonevich, then uh, Lyles and Dunning as a tandem, and then Arhar starting home opener, and then uh, Cody and Benjamin. I mean, I pretty much have the same thing except for Arhar and Fulte switch. Yeah. So, and I think that's – And I think be... Fulte could be a good home opener starter too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this this is a guy who's got electric stuff, and he's a former – like I said, he's a former all-star – Potential comeback player of the year candidate, you know, but Arahara was the big signing that they might. And plus with the with the way the Japanese media is going to be covering it too, I mean, it, it could be a really, really big thing for for that home opener. I, I the press you, box is going to be packed if that happens, by the way. Yeah, i tell you why I like this, because you guys changed my mind, because I didn't even think about the home opener and not wanting to do a piggyback on the home opener. You're right. They got full st- I mean, they're going to have 40,000 there. They're going to want to come out with a, a, an actual starter. And in that situation, I'm, I'm like you. I honestly believe Ari Hara is who they take over to, the, to there. That, that's why. So I've got, obviously, Kyle Gibson. My next one, I'll have Fultonevich. But I had one, two, three, and then I had the two tandems because um, I have seven starters also. But I'm going to switch that now. So I'm going to go Gibson, Fultonovich, and then I'm going to go and I've got it this way, Lyles Dunning. That's the way I have it starting on Lyles Dunning. Then we're going to go with Arihara. Now, my last one's a little different. I do have Kyle Cody as the starter, but I think Young, Hyun John Young, could be that. Um, I, now, I've got – we'll talk about Benjamin in a little bit. But I, I think he's 
he's looked good and it moves the ball around well and and all of that so i i think as a rotation guy as especially a piggyback situation he might be a guy he pitched a lot of innings last year too so um that's who i have so i've got gibson Foltovich. i've got then i've got your uh uh Jordan Lyles, Dane Dunning. Then I've got Arihara, opening day. And then you go Cody and Young. That's mine. Yep. I, th- I, think, I, think it's, I think the only, and we'll get into this with the rest of the bullpen, I think the only thing, the only reservation I have as of right now is that Woodward has talked about those tennis spots potentially being like a right-hander than a left-hander or vice versa. Yeah. And so pairing up Dunning and Lyles is two right-handers. And so yeah. – I, I kind of wonder, okay, does one of those guys, just because the Rangers might want to go with a righty-lefty in the tandem, does that mean Lyles is relegated to a long relief option in the bullpen or is Dunning relegated to that? How, do, how does either player handle that? Does Lyles, you know, really not like that? Does he want to have a chance to prove himself in a tandem spot? Yep. Or does Dunning, you know, does that stunt Dunning's growth at all? I mean, there, there's a lot of factors to consider when choosing these channels, but I think that's just a little other little nugget to, to think about as we go into the bullpen. And that was actually, and we'll, we're getting into the bullpen here um, regarding uh, Taylor Hearn and why I didn't add him into that second tandem, because I thought like, I feel like Taylor Hearn can go further distance than Dane Dunning can. So I think if you need him in a emergency long relief role or a middle relief role, I feel like Hearn matches both of those. So I know I have a feeling with the 30 tandem pitch that that's pitch limit of 30. And I feel like you can let Taylor Hearn go further than that. Now, whether or not that will play into the decision and maybe that's just a projection to 70, 30, but that's actually one of the reasons why I went Hearn bullpen rather than Hearn second tandem. Um, I got Matt Bush making it. Uh, Hang Zhong Young. Yep. Um, I have a slash on here, and that is Degus, because we're not sure with the stomach situation. So I actually have a slash Brett Martin as far as the lefty. And then I know they said Joely Rodriguez would be good to go, but again, take that with a grain of salt. So another slash I have is Joely Rodriguez and Hunter Wood. It's a little diamond in the rough there. And then LeClerc is closer. We all agree that Leclerc is is That's the a, yeah. quote unquote closer. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll get into that. <laughs> yeah. So that, so I'll go this time. So cl- I do have Leclerc as my closer. I've got Kennedy and Bush. Now that's going to be someone's got to be DFA or something or go to a sixty day. There's going to be there's going to be several. Yeah. I mean, you got, you got, if you're Culberson, if you're adding Young, if you're adding there's yes. I think I, I think I've got two or three non roster guys in my total roster. So yeah. So do I. Yeah, good. Yeah, without a doubt. So I've got so making the bullpen, I've got five along with Leclerc, who's the sixth. Um, I've got Kennedy, Taylor Hearn, who I think has made this team without a doubt. And like you said, in a long relief kind of thing, Matt Bush and Benjamin, once again, who him and Young could switch places as far as that piggyback for me. Uh, Benjamin's been probably one of the best in, in there besides uh, uh, Gibson. And then I got Hunter Wood. Hunter Wood's the one that makes it. So I, I'm basing that off. Uh, Joely Rodriguez would make it, but I think he's going to start out. There, there's no point in rushing it. That's how you hurt your arm when you've got a bad leg. 
So you just, you know what, get to that alternative site, make sure you're fully healthy, and then they'll be ready to make a move and see if one of these guys explodes or implodes and doesn't show, and then they'll bring Rodriguez right in. All right. Um, this is this is the hardest part for me for the <laughs> roster. I think the bullpen usually is most of the time, but I do have Leclerc, Leclerc as the closer right now. Um, however, I do think that Ian Kennedy uh, is nipping at his heels a little bit. Um, he's looked really good in camp. Uh, the stuff is all there. He's healthy. Um, so I've got Ian Kennedy making it as well. He's another non-roster guy. Um, the next two, I, I, I'm not as uh, confident about, not because of their ability, but because of their uh, uh, injuries or is, uh, health issues, and that's uh, Brett Martin and Brett DeGuss. I think uh, I'll get to that in a second. So then I've got um, I've got Taylor Hearn as the long relief option uh, and as like a guy at a second's notice could uh, go into a tandem role. Um, I just think West Benjamin might have a, a slight lead on Taylor Hearn right now. Um, and then I've got Matt Bush making it. Uh, he's looked really good. I don't know if you guys got a chance to see uh, the game against the Giants, but no, not just as, but to see his stuff against the Giants, it was, it was like watching him in 2016. I mean, the, the breaking ball was devastating. And against Cleveland too. Yeah. I mean, his first outing was he breaking. Out. He, struck he struck out too against the Giants, right? Yeah. Yeah. The breaking mm -hmm. ball is devastating. The fastball was electric. It was, he was commanding it. He was commanding all of his pitches. I mean, he, I mean, again, I, I'm not saying that like he's, Gonna ultimately like make a roster and get put in back into the back end of the bullpen or anything, but I think he's done more than enough to, to earn a spot. Um, and so that leads, so obviously that's six: Leclerc, Kennedy, Martin, Bush, uh, Degas, and Hearn. But I think that either Martin or Degas might start on the IL with either Martin's back issue or Degas's yeah. uh, GI uh, issue. That's why I left Martin. So, so because of that, I think one of those guys is left off for whatever reason, and the guy who immediately comes in is Hunter Wood because he has also had mm -hmm. uh, a strong spring. But if that were to be the case, that is Kennedy, Bush, and Hunter Wood, and then you add Charlie Culberson, that's four non-roster guys. That would be four roster moves after you made. So I don't know. I think there might be a non-roster guy who's had a really strong spring who gets left off just because yeah. the Rangers can't make that many roster moves. Um, and so ultimately – I hate I hate to say it, but it might be an either or between Matt Bush and Hunter Wood. Like honestly, like I, I think, think that's why I had Joelle and Wood as another reason why that's kind of a slash too, because that could be an instance of I know Joelle, you know whether or not he's a hundred percent, but if he is like at ninety eight percent, I think you don't take that risk as far as a non roster and just bring up Joelle. Yeah, I just I think you know from from, from all the updates that we've gotten on Joelle, like I understand he he's throwing now and everything. But he was delayed for quite a while. Right. I mean, he, he was having his – he was – I mean, he wasn't even thrown off a mound by the time that we thought he was going to throw off a mound. So I really, really – I'm really questioning what his opening day availability is. So I, I I don't think he's on the opening day roster. I think he starts off with a short IL stint to, to finish building up that arm because the ankle's not bothering him anymore. It's just all about building his arm up for the season. So right. um, – and maybe that does paint, but again, a 10-day IL stint does not affect 40-man roster. You'd have to move the guy to a 60-day IL 
which there will be one opening up for John, you know, with Jonathan Hernandez going on 60 day IL. Right. So that that's at least one guy you don't have to DFA or, or cut ties with a trade or whoever, or, or, you know, do whatever with, and that helps if you add, you know, even three guys, but I mean, I don't know. It, it's it's difficult. Yeah. It's difficult when you have that many non-roster guys who are really in play. And that's, again, we go back to the competition thing. That's a great problem sure. to have. Yeah. To have that many guys competing for uh, for roster spots. Well, then you got someone like Guzman uh, who cannot just be sent to, to the alternative side. Then he's got to clear. So, I mean, that's another one that, that, that's a tough decision, but I've got five because I've got Culberson, I've got Wood, I've got Kennedy, Bush, and then I've got Young. That's five. So that's a lot. That's a lot of balls in the air right there. I mean, and that could, I hate to say it, I had him as my starting rotation, but there are some guys that might go to, a, I don't know, someone like a Palumbo. I hate, they're not going to let Palumbo go. I mean, no, but uh, the, golly, they're, I would, this is the time that I love to sit from the cheap seats and be the guy that watches because there are some tough decisions. There may be some moves made. There might be. They might be trading some guys. Uh, that, that's that's one thing I'm kind of wondering, and I, I, I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole because we could do a whole other podcast talking about this. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I read I read um, Jamie Newberg's uh, oh, yeah. uh, Trevor Story trade uh, on, on The Athletic, and so I really, really wonder, again – I'm not predicting this is going to happen. I have not talked to anybody in the organization who has told me anything like this. So they this wouldn't. is a, this is pure conjecture here. Yes. But it would not surprise me if there is going to be a Trevor Story trade, if that it happens in the next week or so. Yes. And he because, the- yeah, because then the point made there is then the Rangers have the rights to, uh, to offer him the qualifying offer and that way yep. they get compensation in case he walks. Yep. Um, and but- and, the, and the- and that he, he has less value coming at the trade deadline, first mm-hmm. of all. But, and then they also, if they trade him at the, at the deadline, they're not going to get that option to, to qualify. It's pretty obvious he's not coming back. Um, I think he wants out. Uh, so, man, that was, inter- that was an interesting read. Caught me off guard. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, and it's a, because that is, okay, you know, the, the, the pro there for the Rangers is, okay, yeah, we're, you don't have to make a, a roster-shaking move to, to trade for a guy like Trevor Story. And it doesn't really make sense make sense in, in, a, in a rebuild, but at the same time, you get a year to court the guy. You get a year to show him, okay, this is the culture we're trying to establish. You get you get to see it inside the clubhouse for an entire year. Yep. And uh, and if it doesn't work out and if, you know, the relationship's not going well, maybe you can flip him at the deadline for a couple of nice and mid-level prospects because he would be a true rental at that point. Um, So, you know, there's a number of options that the Rangers could go with, but I think if they're really interested in story long-term, that could be now if I'm, if I'm, if I'm a betting man, (laughs) I don't predict that's going to happen Yeah, just because I would, I would be shocked as of right now, unless I hear differently from anybody uh, in the next few days, but I'm saying if that's going to happen, it could happening next week or so but i don't think it will wink wink i don't no. think it will <laughs> no. let me well, let me put, let me emphasize that i do not think a travel story trade is going to happen <laughs> well, well, well jamie i hope i'm wrong out, but yeah, i don't jamie, think it's now jamie pulled off this trade with a guy that's that that covers the the rockies so apparently the feeling on that side was hey uh, in those two the door might be open to at least discuss it but like you said this this is full conjecture here this is totally just throwing out things but they're gonna have to I, it wouldn't surprise me if some trades are made 
that's that's the thing because they, they've got some roster spots they've got to move somewhere yeah especially if they they have like decided okay this you know this many ro- non-roster guys we are going to put them on the opening day roster if it's three or four Right, I I have a hard time seeing five, but I I, I, I just I, I mean, and the thing is, is that there's again we go back to the competition. There's a legitimate argument for five non-roster guys to make the roster. Yep, it's just there's a lot of I mean that, you're, a move, you're talking a lot about, of moving parts. Yeah, you're talking about four. You know, minus the Jonathan Hernandez DL or IL move, you're talking about four guys they would have to somehow remove from the roster without yeah. trying to lose any of them. And that, that to me, it's going to be hard. It's hard enough to, to do that with one player, not, not only two, but you're talking about possibly three or four. That, that's just, like you said, a lot of moving parts. Yep. Yep. Any opposed to any of ours? I think, honestly, I think we all kind of had somewhat similar thought process, maybe one or two guys here and there. And I think for the most point, I was actually shocked how close we all have it together. Yeah. I yeah, we were my, a little further apart the last time, but I, I, yeah. think, I think we've also got, gotten a handle on, okay, this is what's played out in spring training. This is what's going on. And so I, I think because of that, we, we have a pretty good, you know, and Chris Woodard has, has played, his, <laughs> played his cards close to the chest. You know, uh, he, he has not revealed too much. I think that I, the last two Zooms, I've been like, okay, you want to drop any Woody Bonds today? And he's like, no. Uh, yep. It's like the only one he's dropped recently was the Kyle Gibson opening day start. So yep. uh, I think it's still going to be a few more days before we start hearing. But then again, you know, they're, they're, they've been assigning, you know, waves of four or five players to the minor league workouts. Yep. Um, so, you know, we got an answer on Curtis Terry. You know, we knew his chances were pretty slim, even though he's had a really strong camp, but got yep. an answer on him already. So we might get more answers over the next few days, but. I think I had the biggest. This is a fun time of the year, man. Baseball season is less than two weeks away. I might have had the biggest outlier with Young um, (coughs) that that they would have to to create a spot for him. And that that was my one guy that was – because we all have Hunter Wood. We've all got Bush. and uh, uh, Well, Chris, did you have Bush? Or do you – I had Bush. I did not have Young. Yeah, I'm the the only one that has Young. So that – No, I did too. Oh, yeah, yeah, you did. So you didn't have somebody who did – you had Culberson too. I had some slashes, so yes, that made, I made that. That's what it was. But for Gee, injury, Alex. for injury purposes. Oh, oh, for injury purposes, Chris. Yes, there does you that go. sound familiar? It does. I don't know what you're talking about, though. All right, <laughs> guys, this was fun. Really yeah. appreciate it. And yes, it. from should two we, weeks should, from. Yeah, say I don't even two weeks from today because two weeks. So, do we want to give one final stab at this next week? Yeah, I say we yeah. can we can fit it well, in. I think we'll have a lot more answers by that point. So maybe Absolutely. it'll, be, it'll maybe. be a little bit more of a season preview more than a yep. prediction, but prediction yeah, be a preview and our and our final prediction before that because they're going to make those decisions on the last day. And we so, do predictions because we want to feel smart Absolutely. and be like, oh yeah, <laughs> even yeah, though we we're already know the like I <laughs> predict Kyle know. Gibson will start. You over. guys didn't know the answer. We did. <laughs> Well, Alex, thanks for having us on. This, uh, this, Appreciate it, guys. I and Chris, uh, you, Chris, you do this next week, right? You're going to host it? Yeah, I'll host it, and I will not probably have the this glamorous background uh, next week. Uh, <laughs> Everybody uh, has to see the beauty of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. You, they, you know what? It is one of the most underrated cities in the country. I, I'm not saying that because my entire family's from there. I really am saying that. Bias. It, it is it – is, uh, 
it, it really is. It's a, it's the, it's one of the nicest, smaller cities in the country. I, I really believe it. And it is not the smoggy city that people will expect it to be right in the seventies and eighties because of the steel mills and everything. And plus it's a great place to go catch a baseball game. Cause that ballpark is PNC active. is on the PNC is on the list. It's on the list yeah. for sure. Now, now granted, I, I, like just quick story about that. My wife was stationed in San Diego and anybody who's been to Petco Park knows that that's a beautiful ballpark as well. She was stationed in San Diego. She did colors on the field. She's done a bunch of different, uh, you know, stuff with the military. She's been to countless Padres games. And the one time I took her to PNC Park, she was like, she was sitting in her seat for not even two minutes. She's like, okay, yeah, this is nicer than Petco Park. Wow. Like, yeah, like not, I... even, two, yeah, not even two minutes. And I, I, I think Petco is up there on just about everybody's list of ballparks um i haven't seen now i would say weather wise petco is probably better on most nights absolutely because actually so. that game that we went to uh pirates game it was a early april game it was one of the first uh, home games of the season and uh, it, anybody who is from the northeast area knows that early april you can still have Snow. nights into the 30s yep. yeah and it got pretty cold that night it was like i think it got down to like 41 that night and yeah. uh yeah, when you're sitting out in the, and then you're sitting still watching the baseball game and it's 41 degrees, you're like, yeah, it's a little chilly. <laughs> yeah, there's a reason why the Tigers play all of their April home games, a lot of them during the daytime. Just yes. FYI. Absolutely. Yeah. Chicago, too. The Cubs. Great, great place oh, yeah. to go catch a baseball game, though. Uh, but I will say uh, it's still my favorite place where I've ever watched a game. But uh, I also have been to Fenway and that's a really close second. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. So, John, where can uh, folks find you? on the social media well uh so on twitter i'm at ranger nation pod at ranger nation pod and i'm on instagram that i'm trying to figure that out and then um you know on facebook i'm basically got the recliner nerd on facebook but that's it just go follow me there at ranger nation pod and chris uh you can follow me on twitter at chris halleck last name spelled h-a-l-i-c-k-e have to spell it every single time. It's okay though. Um, and then uh, you can also like uh, Inside the Rangers on SI on Facebook. Uh, all of the stories are always published there. Uh, I always tweet out all the stories. I also, you know, I live tweet during games. I, you know, obviously, you know, all news and updates that that we get from the from the Texas Rangers uh, yeah, always comes through Twitter, but also comes through, through Facebook as well. Uh, no other problems. I, I am on Instagram too. I, I, my Instagram game is, is pretty poor, yeah, but I am on, I, I am on Instagram too uh, at same uh, same handle at Chris Alec. Uh, that's at uh, that's on Instagram too. But um, yeah, my Instagram is like I think I've got like 150 followers. I, I'm like, or maybe not even that many. <laughs> like I, I just I, I I'm I don't do enough. Like I never I'm like you know I need to post more stories and I just never do. What well, you appreciate you guys. Appreciate you guys joining and. Uh, Opening day is on its way. Thank you. And if you want to follow me on social media, you can follow me on Twitter at aplinktx, on Instagram at aplinktex, and for Rangers coverage, uh, dallasportsfanatic.com slash texas-rangers. We are getting set for opening day. Ranger fans, enjoy the madness of the tournament and enjoy the madness of spring training. 